dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. When you're in charge, you don't have a cookie cutter method for guaranteeing that you're doing what's right. You have to make decisions that are difficult and uncertain, and you have to make them every day. Pope St. Gregory the Great understood this because he had to do the same thing. And in his book, The Rule for Shepherds, he gives us insight on how to bridge the paradoxes and find our way to leading our people with a unified vision, despite the variety of decisions that fill our day. So we find ourselves reading Pope St. Gregory the Great's Rule of Shepherds. And we remember who he was and what was going on. He was the Pope during a time in history of a lot of conflict and political intrigue. And he never wanted to be the Pope. In fact, he was the abbot of a monastery. He wanted to give his life to prayer and a simple life living with his brothers, saying Mass, praying the office, etc. And so, of course, that made him just apt to be the Pope, right? Remember, this is 6th century uh, Christianity. And so being Pope wasn't the same thing as it is today, but then again, it was. He had problems from priests, problems from bishops, problems from the outside, from the state. He had different, you know, situations uh, where he was in a geopolitical uh, realm of the, of the Roman Empire, and the fall of the Roman Empire and the shifting of the, of the capital from Rome to Constantinople and so forth. And in all of those things that he had to face, you know, Gregory reached down into his monastic training in order to find the answer. And I think this is amazing because he goes on to write this book, The Rule of Shepherds, which then becomes for us a, a handbook for, for leadership from the sixth century of Christianity that still speaks us to, to us today. Now, of course, he wrote it to the bishops and writing it to the bishops and about the bishops, that's what the shepherds he refers to. He focuses in on their call as these spiritual leaders in the political realm. And I think that, of course, you have to you have to filter out what's specific to bishops in this writing, because obviously that doesn't pertain to you. But at the same time, you can transpose a lot of what he says into our situation as Christian business leaders today and understand it. And what I think when you, you can't help when you read this, but see in it a lot of kinship with our own experiences, our own struggles and what we have to face on a daily basis. I remember the great quote from Gregory the Great. He says, what else is it to be in the pinnacle of power if not to find oneself in a mental storm. And I think that that says it perfectly. All of us can find that true in our own life. And he actually writes about how you navigate in that situation. So we're in the second book here. You can open to that page if you want. Second book of his Rule of Shepherds. Now we're looking at chapters four and five. Let's go ahead and start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Heavenly Father, you've called us to leadership. You've called us to follow your son and to work for this world's betterment. We ask you, God, to bless us as we study this book. Bless us as we listen to your word that we might dare great things for you and be filled with holy audacity. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So in chapters 4 and 5, Pope Gregory the Great gives us an outline of two paradoxes that all of us have to face as the leaders that we are. As is typical in the spiritual life, the challenge is found exactly where we need to attack or assert ourselves. And you, you almost want to smile because you're like, gosh, can't I ever, ever have it easy? You know, isn't this ever going to be easy? I mean, why is it that my biggest challenge is located exactly at the place where I need to get things done? I mean, we need to talk, for example, if we're in charge. We have to talk a lot. Using words is not an option for someone in leadership. <laughs> Could you imagine it? If people were coming to you and you sat there and said, I'm a monk, I'm not going to talk to you right now, right? You, you don't have that option. Monks might have that option. Maybe even some bishops do. The bishop is saying, you know, we need to practice holy silence. <laughs> and everyone would say, yes, bishop, of course we do. You know? But when you're, when you're actually a dad, or when you're in charge of an office, you need to use words. And so what he says here, though, still applies to us because he says, well, if you have to use words, here's two things you need to put together. On the one hand, you need to use them well, meaning this is in chapter four. He says, you've got to use them to defend your flock and to say the truth. Words are supposed to be the conveyance of truth. If you don't say truth, then the people underneath you will not hear it. So the very first thing he says about speaking is that you need to do it. And, but when you do it, you need to do it well, meaning say what you need to say to promote what is true and to protect your people from lies. Okay, so obviously he's meaning this in terms of bishop and the proclamation of the gospel. He talks about the zeal of the shepherds, etc. But this can be applied to business just as well. We who are in charge of businesses have to be able to defend our people and defend our business and promote what is good. And it's an active position. Sometimes, especially if your business is going well, the temptation is to kind of sit back, look at the numbers, take your time, do this, do that on the side, maybe, and roll with things, just letting the thing go instead of intervening, finding new ways, finding a way to work better and making the, your employees' days a little bit brighter. There's a way, in other words, where we look at what we do, kind of like in the line of what he's saying here to bishops, as a shepherd of looking to how do I make what I'm doing this day for my people an even better experience? How do I improve the experience of the people around me, those who encounter my family, those in my society today? If I have a position of power, in other words, I need to wield it. I need to wield that power to better the people, and that's an exercise that requires a lot from me. And the very first place he says where it's required is in your words. What you say, how you say it, how often you're willing to say it, you need to speak up, he says, and make your voice resound. Here's what he says in chapter four. He says, 
For hence it is that the Lord, through Isaiah, upbraids them, saying, Dumb dogs that cannot bark. And he's referring there to the shepherds of Israel who do not speak. Hence again he complains, saying, You have not gone up against the enemy, neither opposed a wall for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. Now to go up against the enemy is to go up with free voice against the powers of this world for defense of the flock and to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord is out of love of justice to resist bad men when they contend against us. For, for a shepherd to have feared to say what is right, what else is it but to have turned his back in keeping silence? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, well, this is about bishops, about priests, about popes, and it is, but it can be applied in the same way to you in your house as fathers and mothers and in, in the workplace in the same way. It's so easy to, to just ignore problems, to run away from confrontation. And you might be able to do that if you're nothing more than a hireling. But if you're the shepherd, your people need you to ride out into that confrontation. They need you to make clear the pathway, and that requires speaking and using words. But at the other hand, he says, and this is a great other quote, he warns against something. He says, at the same time, rulers ought also to guard with anxious thought, not only against saying in any way what is wrong, but against uttering even what is right, overmuch and inordinately. Since the good effect of things spoken is often lost, when enfeebled to the hearts of hearers by the incautious importunity of loquacity. Put a little bit less eloquently, this means that if you're talking all the time, no one will listen to you. So there's a paradox. We have to be able to bridge that paradox. On the one hand, we have to use words. We have to use them a lot. We have to use them correctly. But on the other hand, we must not overuse them. If you're always talking, he says, or if you're always saying, even if it's good things, but you say them in a way that doesn't take into account the hearer and start with the hearer's needs, you can actually defeat your entire cause. And this is basic communication. Are you talking because you have something to say or are you talking because your listener has something that they need to hear? This is Father Nathan. I know that many of you listening are looking for a better place to be. You're not happy necessarily with what's going on in the world. You're not happy with where your life is going and you wonder if there's any way to go forward. That's why we started the St. John Leadership Institute in Denver, Colorado. The idea is simple. Move to Denver, live with a community of your peers, earn a master's degree in any subject from any university, and become a saint while doing it. Check us out at stjohnleadershipinstitute.org. So when Pope St. Gregory the Great wrote The Rule of Shepherds, uh, he, in chapter 4 and 5 here, he's focusing in on this paradox that we all have to face. On the one hand, I have to assert myself, right? I have to do things. I have to face the, 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 the dragon every day and slay it. And on the other hand, I've got to be careful to do it in the right way. In other words, it's not just by speaking that I'm, I help people, but I have to speak if I am going to help people. That's the paradox. If I don't speak as a leader and don't give the vision and don't 
take care of problems and don't confront people when they're doing the wrong things. And if I don't defend everyone and encourage everyone by words, well, then my people are going to feel abandoned. And wherever leadership is absent, there is a void that is filled by something else. Leadership always is claimed by someone. If you're in charge and you're not actively leading, know that someone else is. And so it's a, you got to have a real aggressive stance here if you're going to take the role of leadership. You've got to be there and you've got to say what needs to be said. But the paradox is that it's not just by saying things that it actually happens or just by saying things that you say them correctly. So he says, warns and says, on the other hand, you can speak too much. And if you're, so what does that mean practically for us? Well, obviously it means that our words need to be the words of leaders, not just the words of people who know things, not just the words of people who want to get the, the words of a leader is someone who possesses at the heart, the good of the people whom he or she is leading. The goal of our words, in other words, is not to say what we know. The goal of our words is to say what our people need to hear in order for them to accomplish the mission that they have in front of them. And it's the same in politics, it's the same in the family, it's the same in the workplace. And he says, well, therefore be careful. It's not just by talking or by saying things over and over again that you're going to make an impact. People will listen to words that are directed towards their betterment, towards the claiming and the development of, their, of the mission that people have been, have been entrusted. In other words, my listener is my hero, right? Not me, the speaker, but you, the listener. What do you need? That's what I need to say. It goes on in chapter five to talk about the balance between compassion and contemplation, which for most of you means nothing. But I, this is what I want to tell you. This actually is very applicable to what you need to have every day of your life because you're looking for holiness. And there's competing visions and competing definitions of holiness. And most of us have in our brain that holiness means that you basically have to be a monk. Yes, if you're a priest, you'll be holy. Now, I am a priest. And I can tell you it's not the case, right? <laughs> I think that sometimes the holiest people that I've ever encountered are parents at home with struggling children. I've just blown away by how much that requires from you. Okay. So it's funny that people think at home, they're all like, oh, it's the priests who are holy. And all of us priests are like, oh, it's the lay people that are holy. You know, and, and yet when you want to be holy and you want to follow God and you want to do what's right, it's so tempting to say that doesn't apply to me in my business. And so you'll have businesses. I don't know. I've got a small business. And so I'm going to keep it open on Sundays. It'll be seven days a week. I'm not even going to take a day of rest because we need that to keep the momentum going on the business. Let's be careful about that, folks. You know, the Lord did command a day of rest and it's a Sabbath day of rest and it's not an option. This is something we need and that we need to do it for his sake and to honor him. But at the same time, it's something that we have to do for our own sake. And that day of rest is something you should be fighting for. You might not be able to always have it, but darn it all, as much as you possibly can, you must have it. It's actually something that the Lord himself has inscribed in nature and the church has always reinforced. That's just a, it's a, a typical example, right? We're like, I have to always be doing my business. My holiness is on the side, right? Be, and then you end up being this kind of truncated, muted uh, soul. 
you know, instead of living life out loud and attacking this world with your true greatness, which comes from your holiness and the depth of knowledge and wisdom and the perspective that you have coming from God, wouldn't it be great to apply that every day? It would be your joy. I mean, in fact, your happiness is directly correlated to the depth of how well you implement your Christianity. Because we all know by now, it's not a question of, I don't know if there's a God or not. You know that there's a God. And you're also like, I don't know if there's a, you know, a faith or not. You, you know that you're Catholic. You know that you're Christian. You know that you believe in Jesus Christ. Well, then to align your activities every day with that deep faith, that becomes the key to our happiness. So when you have an error in your mind, that's telling you that holiness doesn't apply to business or holiness doesn't apply to your family. And you, and you imagine that holiness applies to those really wonderful little old ladies in the back of church who are just praying their rosary all the time in the back pew, right? And you say, that's for the holy ones. As for me, I have work to do. Realize that you're missing out on an amazing opportunity. You could instead bring the depth of your conviction to the height of the mountain that you're supposed to climb every single day. And if, man, if you could align those two, imagine how powerful your day would be. Well, to align them, that's what Pope St. Gregory does. You have to overcome this seeming paradox. And here it is. The more that you love God, the more that you'll plunge yourself into activity for his name. And the more that you do activity for his name, the more you will love God. Instead of opposing these two things and actually saying that, well, on the one hand, activity is going to keep me from contemplation. He says, not if that activity is carried by the love that you have in contemplation. So obviously there's stresses and you can't be both a monk and a businessman at the same time. Obviously our minds cannot be filled with the, the holy things of God in all of their purity when we are plunged in this world. But that doesn't get in the way of holiness. See, that gets in the way of contemplation in the sense of the, the lifestyle of contemplation. But holiness itself, it feeds on that very same love that pushes you to go into the office every day for the Lord. This is Father Nathan. I know a lot of people are formed in leadership in ways that are very practical and efficient. This is good, of course, but is there something more? Coming to the St. John Leadership Institute in Denver, Colorado, young adults are able to learn not only how to lead effectively, but how to lead in the spirit. Anchoring a master's degree and specific business skills in prayer and spirituality. Find out more at stjohnleadershipinstitute.org. It's one of the greatest paradoxes of our Christian life that actually God unites prayer and charity towards others in one single act of love. The virtue of charity has two objects, but one single virtue, if you want to get technical about it. And that means simply that we are invited to not be ashamed of our work in business and to somehow think that God has forsaken us or put us on the side because he's asked us to be active in the world. Let's be clear about this because so many people get caught up in their Christianity and they don't make any real progress in their spirituality because deep down inside they feel like it's vanity anyway. I was just left in this world. I'm a worldling 
And so therefore I'll get to heaven maybe at the end of my days. In the meantime, let me just try to make as comfortable a life for myself as I possibly can here below. Well, this is not your call. Your call is not to make a comfortable life for you here below. Your, your call is to transform this life here below by the power of God and bring his saving influence into our society. Okay. So to do that, you've got to engage in this world with more zeal, not less. And he goes, so, so how do you do this? Well, first of all, Gregory the Great gives all kinds of examples. He says, Moses, for example, went from the heights of the mountains down to governing his people. Jacob saw a ladder in heaven with angels coming up and angels going down. St. Paul writes about his secret knowledge that he has of God. And then he goes so far as to govern the, the conduct of married persons in his community. He even talks about the Lord, Jesus Christ, and says the Lord himself, while he was on the earth, both performed miracles for people, healing them, and spent days alone on the mountaintop. Both poles belong to every Christian. The height of contemplation and the call to charity, regardless of your state in life. This might surprise you, but when you're a monk and being a priest, I've been around a lot of monks in my day. You know, the, these monks, they have a zeal for souls and a, a concern for the material that would blow you away. I think about some of the hermits that I've met in my life, people who live in total solitude in the, de in the, the wilderness or in the desert, and they're out there praying all day by themselves. They don't live in communion with other people. And you say, oh my goodness, the, the holiness of them. They're the most practical people you'll ever meet because they have to spend hours every single day simply repairing the roof and chopping the wood and doing what they need to do in order to survive. See, so even, and when you're in monasteries, cloistered nuns, for example, who live behind the walls, lives of entirely dedicated to prayer 24-7, well, they speak all the time about the services that they render to each other. P picking up in the hallway, taking care of the sick sister, wiping down the tables, setting up for meals, everything that they do on a daily basis. And they speak about this as their gift back to God. Well, you are plunged in the active life. Listen, you are called to the heights of contemplation in the same way as the monks and nuns. Now, you have a different state in life, so it might look a little different, but the call is the same. And St. And Gregory the Great emphasizes, if you deny the call to contemplation, you will end up undermining your efforts in charity and in service. Every once in a while, you hear this kind of thing. You, it, it comes back from a movement back in the Catholic Church in the mid part of the century, which itself stemmed from communism. And that movement in the mid part of the century, it speaks to us about Catholicism that says God is in the activity. So just become active. Don't worry about prayer. Your prayer is your work. Your work is your prayer, that kind of thing. Well, that's, I mean, like it's close, <laughs> but no cigar, meaning that that's not a bad idea, not a bad way of thinking about things because it's, it could be the case. But in fact, it's, that's a truncated version of the truth. Because obviously, if you are called to do things in the world, you need to be doing them. That means that, yes, your work is a prayer. But let's be honest here, folks. If we don't pray on the side separately for the sake of God himself, very quickly we won't be accomplishing our mission for the sake of the one who sent us into it. We'll lose track that it's a mission at all. 
and we'll end up just serving ourselves and trying to make the most comfortable life for ourselves that we possibly can, as if God didn't even exist. Spirituality will become a far distant thing if it's not put in the center on a constant basis. We replace the love of God with love of ourselves all the time. And we just mustn't do that because we know deep down inside that we'd rather love God than walk around loving ourselves. I mean, it's much more pleasant to love someone else <laughs> than it is to be faced every single day with loving yourself as your only perspective, okay? Your life is made for something more than the accumulation of material goods that serve you, okay? So he goes on. So this is, this is how Gregory the Great puts it. He puts, the ruler should be a near neighbor to everyone in sympathy and exalted above all in contemplation so that through the bowels of loving kindness he may transfer the infirmities of others to himself and by the loftiness of speculation transcend even himself in his aspiration after the invisible. Lest, either in seeking high things, he despise the weak things of his neighbors, or in suiting himself to the weak things of his neighbors, he relinquish his aspiration after high things. So it's really quite simple. People will ask me, Father Nathan, what's the point of spirituality? Why do I need God? It's, of course, a good question. But the answer is very simple. You need God because you're trying to accomplish your life in as deep and as thrilling and as amazing a way as you possibly can. If you really love yourself and you really think that you have talent and skill, then God becomes your best friend, not your hidden enemy. In this, the heights of your contemplation and the deeper you go in your spirituality will determine the depth and the intensity of the outpouring of your life in activity here on this earth. Spirituality doesn't suffocate, it liberates. Spirituality doesn't diminish, it magnifies. Because when you're in love with God, you're able to look at everything in this world as something that can be used, transformed, in order to glorify Him. And all of our relationships and all of our talents find their true focus. My prayer life, in other words, isn't the antithesis of my work life. It's the key to my work life. And the more you pray, the deeper and more powerful will your work life be. God is not the enemy of your activity. God is the source of your activity and the one who blesses your life from on high. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.